Well, thank you very much, Terry, as I hobble up to the podium here. <laughs> you made one mistake in, in what you said that was not true. You said, I retired. I have not retired. I have never retired. I don't intend to retire. <laughs> oh, maybe the Lord will change that, but whatever the case, I praise the Lord for every day of strength and every privilege that he has given me, and I would encourage every single one of you to just milk life out of as much as you can out of what the Lord gives you. It is not too late whatever you, your circumstance may be, to find a, a new place of joyful, fruitful service in the Lord Jesus Christ. We, Joanna and I have been reading the Bible somewhat together. She has her own Bible reading program, which I would recommend very much downstairs on our table that you uh, pick up that reading. Is that available yet? Or Tomorrow, it, he, she'll introduce it to the women. But I encourage you to look at it as a very unique reading program. I have a very simple one, but you know, she has a very wonderful Bible reading program that, that she has developed. But we have had so many blessings. When I thought of proposing to a woman 25 years younger than myself, I first went to a doctor two doctors, as a matter of fact, and they said, oh, you're old 99, you're going to be around a good while. So they were encouraging me, and I went to my daughters. I had three daughters from the first marriage and asked their wisdom and advice, and you know, my oldest daughter said, Dad, if you have five years together, that would be a blessing, and we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. So it is not too late to enjoy the fullness and richness of life that God has made available to us all through our Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture for this evening is taken from John chapter 20. The Gospel of John chapter 20, beginning to read it, verse 19. John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with a door locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said, Peace. Now, peace in that context, in the context of the Jewish tradition, the Hebrew tradition, means fullness of life. Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. And with that, he breathed in them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they have not been forgiven. <clears throat> so send I you. Let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you <clears throat> that your Son represents to us what your intention is for all of us, that you have a special purpose for the life of each and every one of us, and you have sent us into this world even as you have sent your Son. Help us a little bit more tonight to have the confidence of knowing that you are sending each and every one of us and that you always will be with us as we go. Give us the joy of the Lord as our strength, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> awesome. In modern parlance, everything is awesome. McDonald's fries are awesome. The special sauce that you get at Chick-fil-A is awesome. The chives and sour cream on baked potatoes at Wendy's is awesome. Everything is awesome. But what do you say when something really is awesome? Once you've used that word so many times. Thank you very much. <clears throat> it's all that good cheese and grits that just <laughs> stick in the throat and make you feel so good. Let me tell you about something that is truly awesome. The thing that is truly awesome is that as the Father sent the Lord Jesus Christ, so he sends you and you and you and you and you. As the Father sent the Son into the world, so the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ sends you and you and you and you. First of all, look at the context of this great commission of our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ when he meets with his disciples. If you're in the final quarter of a championship basketball team, and what do you want? Well, you want your team to be in such good shape that they'll run the other team into the ground. Because as you know, in any basketball game, it's the last five minutes or last three minutes or last one minute that count everything, last two minutes. Winnie, anything for us? Is that about right? And if you can just wear them down where they're too weak to run anymore, you're going to win that game. You've got to have a position of strength. If you're going to make a proposal to the love of your heart, you want to look really good, sound really good, and smell your best. And so you present yourself in the strongest possible light. Now look at the disciples of Jesus as they're about to receive the most astounding, truly amazing commission that can be imagined. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Look at them. They're in a tiny upper room, poorly lit, most likely sitting on the floor, looking glum. Only ten of them we know where Judas is. He's gone to his place of perdition. And what about Thomas? Where is he? Well, Thomas should be there. He needed the strength of the other disciples, but 
he's somewhere. We don't know what he, he is. Strength in the other disciples? What strength? There's no strength there. They've heard a strange rumor from some of the women, and they have, Peter and John have run and found the body missing. But whatever the case, it's not a position of strength. Would you say Christianity is in a position of strength in the world today? In America, are we in a position of strength, stronger than we were in terms of our Christian position before the world today? You know, we come back from Africa every five or so years, and everything has gone down and down and down and down. And now, our young people, my heart breaks for them. They don't know whether they are he or she, and they have to identify somehow. What kind of pressure? And if, if they cannot somehow conform, then they will be tormented by the messages that come to them, the slanderous words that are said about them. We are not in a strong position. But Christ commissions you from a position of weakness. As Paul the Apostle says, when I am weak, then I am strong. I came to you in fear and trembling. And then he later says, as a prisoner for Christ, he's had enough boldness to be thrown into prison. He says, please, pray with me that with all boldness I may preach the gospel. He felt so weak that he needed their prayers to even witness for Jesus Christ. I grew up in the prestigious First Presbyterian Church of Jackson, Mississippi, and the leading lawyers, the leading doctors, the leading bankers, the leading public, public servants were all members of First Presbyterian Church. And they had a prayer meeting on Wednesday night. And just about every Wednesday night, Dr. Shaw the Brake Doctor, Dr. Shaw the Brake Doctor would get up and with this deep southern drawl would say, and Lord, help us to give out tracts. Which doctor, which lawyer, which insurance person is going to give out tracts? I mean, are you, are you really going to do that? Or are you going to be embarrassed to make known publicly Jesus Christ? It takes courage to pass out Christian literature. Whether you're ready or not, Christ has chosen you even as he commissioned his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the context. And don't worry about feeling that you're weak, that you can't do this, that you can't be one commissioned of Christ, even as the Father commissioned him, because it is out of a context of weakness that he commissions you. Now, look at the context, the content of this commission. It's in that profound phrase, as the Father has sent me, so I have sent you. That is how you are being sent. First of all, as Jesus was sent, you, whoever you are as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, are sent with authority. You may not feel that you have any authority. Remember Gideon in the days of the judges? 
the people of God are so terrorized by the Midianites that they're hiding in caves and dens. Gideon is down in the bottom of a wine press threshing wheat. What is he doing in the bottom of a wine press threshing his wheat? Well, if he stands up on the ground up above and threshes, then everybody's going to see him. So he's deep down in a wine press trying to not be seen when he is threshing his wheat. The angel of the Lord appears to him and says, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of God. O mighty man of God, the Lord is with you. Go in the strength you have and save Israel. Who, me? What strength? Well, don't worry about it. God will provide the strength. You just go. And you go in the strength that you have. God has already given you the strength. Am I not sending you, says this angel of the Lord? So, look at the authority that Christ gives these pitiful, fearful, weak disciples. Whoever sins you forgive, they will have, this, this is the, the actual uh, force of the verb that is used, uh, they will have been forgiven. Whosoever sins you forgive, they will have been forgiven. And whosoever sins you retain, they will have been retained. I am giving you the authority to do the thing that men need more than anything else, and that is to have their sins forgiven. Through you, people's sins can be forgiven. And if their sins can be forgiven, then their life is turned upside down and they're freed and delivered. That is the power, the authority that is given to you. You remember when the friends, four friends, brought their lame friend to Jesus and they climbed up on top of the house and they broke through the wattle and daub roof and lowered the friend down. And Jesus, what did he say? You're healed of your lameness. No, that's not what he said. What did he say? Your sins are forgiven because that's what people need more than anyone else. When you meet a couple and are perhaps a friend of a couple that are on the verge of of divorce, what do they need more than anything else? Your sins are forgiven. You can forgive one another of their sins. When you have a parent child tension how are you going to help them the most by letting both parties know your sins are forgiven through our Lord Jesus Christ as the father has sent me so I send you with that authority that will cure men's problems more than anything else secondly we know of Jesus when he was sent He was sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus launched his ministry, he was baptized in the Spirit. John himself, John the Baptist, he did not have the power to communicate the Spirit to to Jesus, but God the Father himself 
sent the Holy Spirit down upon Jesus in a visible way so that everyone would know that he was there with the Spirit with him. In the same way, God commissions every one of his disciples with the abundance of the supply of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in this occasion, this is before Pentecost, he breathes on his disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. What, what is this? Theologians have discussed exactly what is going on here before Pentecost when Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. Very interestingly, the word that is used here is he breathed in them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's the very same word in the Greek language of the Old Testament as in the New Testament when God breathed into the nostrils of Adam and he became a living soul. So Jesus breathed not upon, the verb there is he breathed into them. Just as he breathed into Adam, he breathed into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He didn't just breathe on them like this. He breathed into them so that they had the true life of the Spirit in them. Have, have you had any experience of, at all of the energizing power of the Holy Spirit in you? Every Christian has that experience in one way or another where you are empowered to do things that you could not do on your own strength because the Holy Spirit is in you. And when Jesus commissioned his disciples, he says, as the Father has sent me, by pouring out the Holy Spirit upon me, so I am breathing into you the Holy Spirit and saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And what's going to be the effect of that? Well, you can compare how the Holy Spirit appears in the book of Acts as over against the Gospels. And there you will find in the Gospels at the most about 15 references to the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, there are over 50 references to the Holy Spirit. This is the day and the age of the Holy Spirit. And this is a reality that every single believer in the Lord Jesus Christ experiences. The Holy Spirit is breathed into you by the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And you have his spirit in you in constantly energizing you and enabling you to do things you could not do otherwise. They were empowered to receive, to fulfill the Great Commission. You shall receive the Holy Spirit and <clears throat> you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come up upon you. They were comforted by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave them boldness to testify. In the diaconal ministries, it was the Holy Spirit that filled the early disciples, the early deacons. So being filled with the Holy Spirit is that which will be your experience as you are commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're sent with authority, you're sent with the Holy Spirit, 
And thirdly, you are sent for suffering. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, even so have I sent you. And how is it that Jesus was sent? Well, he was not sent into this world to live a comfortable life. He was not sent in this world to have an easy life. The Son of Man, the scripture says, does not have a place to lay his head. He was hated, and finally he was brutally beaten and crucified. And Jesus says, if anyone will come after me, let him take up his cross. And Dr. Luke adds one word there, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. If anyone will come after me, he's going to suffer. And you need to be encouraged because from a biblical perspective, every suffering, every inconvenience that you as a believer in Christ experience is a suffering for Christ. Every thing that is not nice about your life and your experience, that is a suffering for Christ. And Christ will be with you and Christ will be glorified in that suffering. Jesus prayed, if it be possible, let that, this cup pass from me. And many times you may find yourself praying a similar prayer. Lord, if it be possible, spare me of this awesome experience. But you are commissioned as the Father commissioned the Son to go into all the world, and as you go, you are going to suffer. Paul the Apostle says a very challenging thing. He says in one of his letters, Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, I must fill up that which is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Now you might ask, well, what? Lacking in the sufferings of Christ? What could possibly be lacking in the sufferings of Christ? Well, obviously nothing in terms of what is necessary for suffering to save us, suffering to be our redeemer, suffering to deliver us from the judgment of God for our sins. Nothing is lacking in that area. Jesus suffered it all. And when he said, it is finished, it is finished. But there is suffering involved in the communication of the gospel. There is always going to be suffering in the carrying of the gospel to others. And that's what Paul the Apostle means. I fill up that which is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. We, we might say, away with all triumphalism in Christianity. Away with the idea that in Christianity we're going to get a very comfortable way of life. No, that is not your commission. As the Father has sent the Son into the world, and that involves suffering, so also you are sent into this world, and you are going to suffer one way or another for Jesus Christ. That is a part of your commission. And finally, 
You are sent not just for suffering, but also for glory. The climactic purpose of the Father's sending of the Son was not for the Son's suffering, not only or simply for the redemption of a great multitude of people. The ultimate purpose of the sending of the Son was for the glorification of God and of the Son, for the greater glory of God and his Son. Jesus had no need of greater glory. Before he was incarnate, he had all the glory that could be imagined. He had no desire to be exalted any higher. Yet in the eternal purposes of God, Jesus, the Son of God, had greater glory by the redemption of sinners. For all eternity, Jesus will receive greater glory than he had before his incarnation because of the redemption that he has accomplished. To him be all the glory for eternity. And what about you? Now, this is awesome. It is indeed awesome. You are going to share in Christ's glory. If you have suffered with him, you also will be glorified with him. And you say, that's not for me. I'm not interested in glory for myself. But this is what is going to give even greater glory to God and to Jesus that all of you who believe in him, you are going to be glorified for eternity. Jesus has come into this world that he might lead many sons, many, many, many sons and daughters to glory. And that's where you're headed. And that's how he has commissioned you. Even as the Father sent him into the world, and as he then returned to the Father to receive even greater glory than he had before he came into this world, so you and you and you and you and you, each one of you, you're going to enter into glory. It is an awesome thing, indeed awesome. And we should give all glory to the Father, all glory to the Son, all glory to the Holy Spirit, but recognize that that glory that we give to them is going to redound to us. And he is going to transform us into the likeness of his own son so that we will experience a glorified transformation that is incomprehensible and truly astonishing and amazing. So, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. You may feel weak, but you go in power. And you can give glory to Jesus, and he, in turn, will give greater glory to you. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your great glory and the greater glory of your Son. We honor and praise and give glory to the Son of God for what he has accomplished on our behalf. And we are absolutely amazed 
that we should have the privilege of even as the Father has sent the Son, so you have sent us. Thank you for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon every believer, and thank you for what we can look forward in the future, not only in the sufferings that we endure for his sake, but for the glory that he will share with us. Give us a true picture of the fact that we, even as he was sent by the Father, he has commissioned us. For we pray in Christ's name, amen.